0: Is Tom Chick, and you are listening to the quarter to three movie podcast for the Innkeepers. Hmm. I am here with Christian Mullaney.
1: No, it's, uh, it's Pana Suckass,
0: <laughs> and with an Innkeepers tagline, our very special guest, Kelly Wand. It puts the host back in ghost. (laughs) You know, that actually would work, Kelly Wand. That might be too legitimate a tagline. (laughs)
2: Uh,
0: All right, so... Work on the website that the guide has, but not as a blurb. Who works on the... Oh, right, right, right. uh, What was the name of the website? Do we know?
1: Uh, know I hate web design. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Uh, But before we spoil the innkeepers for you... Uh, which we've all seen this week. If you have not seen it, uh, we are going to be talking about it uh, in very spoiler-specific terms in just a moment. But don't go yet. Hold on. Before you go, I want, I want Dingus here to tell folks, without ruining anything, Dingus, what's this Innkeepers movie?
1: Hmm. All right. The, this week we saw The Innkeepers. You're right about the article, Tom. Good job.
0: Thank you. I finally got one right. Uh. Good job.
1: This is a 2012 horror movie about the last days of the Yankee Peddler Inn and its haunted past. Mm. The movie was written and directed by Ty West and stars Sarah Paxton, Pat Healy, Kelly McGillis, and George Riddle. The movie is rated R for some bloody images and language.
2: (laughs) Wait, does that mean bloody language or just any language?
1: It means for some reason one guy keeps going, Oh, what the F but it's still rated at R.
0: <laughs> oh. uh, you can't Kelly Wand, you would have cried bloody murder if this movie had been rated PG thirteen, I'll tell you that much.
3: Uh I, wasn't.
0: I uh... <laughs> Fair enough. Why well, well, wasn't it? But you know what, before I we need... get into that, hold on, let me let me tell folks mm-hmm. uh, in its opening weekend for, for the box office information for innkeepers is non existent. Because Innkeepers did not open uh, in theaters. It is instead a a video-on-demand release. I don't even think there's a DVD yet. You can uh, go to your usual VOD outlets, and it will probably be there. Uh, So, basically, we have no idea how well it did. We do know, though... The people love horror movies. Uh, Devil Inside, 35 freaking million. After all this talk about, oh, soft box office, a uh, crappy little no-budget uh, horror movie comes out and makes $35 million in its opening weekend. So it's looking good for horror again. Uh, t- <laughs> all for that. <laughs> uh, but uh, that said, uh, let's talk a little bit more about The Innkeepers before we... Conclude too much that it's looking good for horror again. Uh, first of all, before Kelly Wan does a synopsis, I just I I I, I, I kind of feel like I'm accountable for us seeing the innkeepers. Uh, I'm the one that kind of pushed for this, and uh, but House of the
2: Devil you gave us too, so
0: you know what? Good. Well, uh, here's the thing. Uh, I'm a I think I'm a Ty West fan. I'm a fan of this director. Maybe not all of his stuff, but I really have liked some of his previous movies, and we will talk about that in a little bit. Uh, And I don't, I, yeah, so if you did watch The Innkeepers this week, like I asked you to last week, um, accept my apologies, uh, and we'll get more into that in a moment. But first,
1: you know, also uh to be fair to you, Tom, it's the beginning of January. I mean, what were you going to do? Yeah,
2: devil inside of
1: this. I still
2: think we made the right call.
1: Yeah.
0: So, uh yeah fuck, I, I, well here's the thing which, i feel like we we should we didn't see the one that made 35 million dollars what's That's, so what
2: okay, but I think,
0: you said the exit I, polls for those were in the lower than whale should oh i, I don't see. doubt that it's terrible but here's here's what i will say i don't doubt that devil inside is terrible but i will maintain that it's probably more culturally relevant <laughs> than uh <laughs> than the innkeepers no nope. uh, you Open's, know what yeah go ahead I think The Innkeepers
2: had a couple... I think he sold it
0: a little short. Okay, you know what? Good. I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to getting into that. I'll be uh, a little... Yeah. But first, Kelly Wand, uh, go ahead and spoil, if you would, The Innkeepers, and if you can, make it so that I don't regret having seen it so much.
2: Oh. Well, I can't <laughs> promise that. <laughs> okay. Um, I won't even be... I can't even promise that after I tell you what I thought wasn't bad about it. Okay.
0: Okay. I look forward to hearing that.
2: Uh, okay, good.
0: Okay. So... Um, but first, I want serious spoilers. What... Yeah, first, uh, here's oh. what's bad. <laughs> yeah, give me a,
2: a, synops-
0: a, a blow-by-blow account of what happens in The Innkeepers. A synopsis, if you will. Oh, oh, you mean an innkeepsis? <laughs> That's what I'm looking for. Rock and roll. Uh,
2: innkeepsis. The innkeepsis. <laughs> the aristocreepsis. Chapter 1. Nothing Happens Ever. <laughs> Reese Witherspoon <laughs> keeps this in <laughs> with Tintin.
0: <laughs> thank you. Oh, thank you. I just want to thank you so much. That right out of the gate, I was still hoping it's for that, Kelly Wand. Thank you. It's fun <laughs>
2: to predict, isn't it? I guess that makes him a Tintin keeper.
0: <laughs> even
2: though their place occupies a whole city block, but they only have one or two occupied rooms ever, and even though the place is haunted by ghosts, no one ever sees, and Tintin has a website that shows how... The doors at their hotel close by themselves, unlike those in most hotels. Despite all these bell, boys, and whistles, for some reason they're still going out of business. Thanks, Romney. But Tintin has a plan. Show Reese Witherspoon a screamer video on YouTube. At this point, my attention started wandering, so I wrote, Here I am watching characters watch YouTube. By this standard, our podcast counts as an independent horror film. (laughs) But Reese Witherspoon's super impressed. That's amazing. Seriously, she says. No, seriously. Great job. Now that you got this ghost site up and running, we won't have to go to hotelier school. This Reese Witherspoon character has a lot of spunk. I hate spunk. Except Tom's.
3: Soon after (laughs) this.
2: Too soon. TMI too much soon information soon after this too soon after this reese witherspoon's stoked because the mannish old woman who played the mom in her favorite tv series like father like son is staying at the hotel even though that was actually the name of a kurt cameron body switch movie with deadly Moore. i guess she's thinking of the kurt cameron series growing pains although i think a cooler name for that series would have been all the right choices She gushes all over this old woman and is rewarded by her saying, great, whatever, just leave the towels on the bed stand there by my diaphragm on the way out. Kelly McGillis is still as hot as ever. (laughs) Meanwhile, nothing continues happening, so Reese Witherspoon goes to Starbucks, but she gets entangled in another pointless conversation with the barista there, who has boyfriend trouble. Fuck, is this chick boring, Reese Witherspoon's expression bemoans. She goes back to the hotel to look at Tintin's website again. She notices that his top bookmark on his work computer that he shares with a female colleague, who is either his girlfriend's sister, or both, says butt crumpets the original. He only has about eight bookmarks total, which means butt crumpets edged out a lot of other potential crumpet contenders. Characterization FTW. Finally, we get to the website she loved so much a couple scenes earlier. Tintin uses only black backgrounds and matrix-green fonts for his site, along with titles like Proof, followed by 20 exclamation points, just like butt crumpets. Because any of the has-been TV actresses comprising their clientele favor hotels with websites heavy on the exclamation points and pictures of rocking chairs. Tintin also spells doorway as two words, like innkeepers. This is like the first ten minutes of Innkeepers. Are you guys still awake? (laughs) Then Reese Witherspoon hears a ghost coming from the deer's head above the fireplace and tries to turn on her DAT thing to record it, but then she goes, How do you work this thing? And the ghost gets bored and heads to the Hojo's across the street to scare some prostitutes and some visiting Johns from, where else? Johnstown. At this point, my attention started wandering again, so I wrote, Note to self, slightly more humane alternative to the grandfather paradox. Give your teenage grandma a hysterectomy. If she asks questions, just say, I'll explain later. Chapter 2. You Ain't Seen nothing. <laughs> Do you know the story of Mary Marcy Magdalene, Reese Witherspoon asks a little kid who's in the lobby shitting his pants in the seat across from her? She hung herself on her wedding day after her fiancé something, 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 something. (laughs) The concierge hit her body in the fruit cellar, so the fruit cocktails that night would smell like dead spinster. The kid's underwhelmed. Reese Witherspoon's holding a flashlight under her chin for spooky effect, even though the room's brightly lit. The kid's mom gets pissed at Reese Witherspoon for traumatizing her kid. This is not why I came to stay in a notoriously haunted hotel called the Soul Swallower. How dare you, female Dennis the Menace! Since Reese Witherspoon's small and weak and incompetent, she gets to take the trash out. Luckily, all the trash in the whole hotel is in a single hefty bag with some Sprite leaking out the bottom. After she kind of throws it out, she hears some ominous foley work coming from the hotel's take shelter doors and investigates, hoping it's just some bullshit cat scare. Luckily, it's just a bird one. The bird tweets angrily and shits in her face. Subtitle Birds speak. Here I am in the Innkeeper's. When she gets back to the lobby, Tintin's missing. Did the bird kill him? Nope, it's just a toilet flush scare. How many non-ghost scares in a row are we at now? Three and a half an hour? After piano ghost scares her, she visits Kurt Cameron's mom, who is now helpful and psychic. She says she's in town for a healer's convention, which sounds like the opposite of ghost lore, but whatevs. She swings a pendulum back and forth and tells Reese Witherspoon not to go into the take shelter. Then she opens her eyes and goes, I lost contact. Reese Witherspoon takes a shower, but doesn't notice she has no towels till she gets out. (laughs) Then she doesn't notice she's in bed with a ghost till it belches on her. Then she screams and doesn't notice she's not wearing pants until she gets down to the lobby and traumatizes the kid and his mom again with the sight of her bare coot. Here I wrote, thighs better than expected. (laughs) Chapter 3. What do ghosts and me watching the innkeepers have in common? Boo. (laughs) An old man shows up and wants the room he fucked in on his wedding night 90 years ago to kill himself in. How sweet. Reese tells him he has to sleep on the floor, but they can give him sheets and a candle. Tintin tells him they need his credit card for such luxurious amenities, but the wily codger outfoxes him by handing him a couple crumpled $1 bills. <laughs> Greatest generation indeed. Uh, Reese goes back to the lobby. Tintin says if she's going to stay up all night with him, she has to get drunk with him at the front desk. I guess even though they're the only two employees, they now share shifts. Kirk Cameron's mom comes in and Tintin calls her an alcoholic and asks her how being psychic works. She says that it's like deja vu and that everybody has it except her, but backwards. Tintin tries to summon the ghost of the piano, but a sheet with eye holes in it jumps out of the couch. When it falls and breaks its hip, he's all, Reese, come on, falling over shit and acting retarded's not what being drunk's all about. Tintin tells Reese Witherspoon how he feels about her, which is similar to how the Japanese dude in Fargo felt towards Marge Gundry <laughs> <laughs> Almost line for line. Her response to this is to propose they head to the cellar and annoy the ghost of old Mary face one last time. They do, but no one dies. But Tintin's still scared, so he leaves. So Reese Witherspoon wakes up Kirk Cameron's mom and goes, Hey, your accommodations include dealing with my constant freakouts. Wake up. And the mom goes, Whoa, my pendulum's turning dull tope. We have to get out of here. You go get your stuff, and I'll disappear from the movie till it's too late. (laughs) Also, just to reiterate, never go into the take shelter. I told you that before, and you did it anyway, so you'll probably do it again. Reese Witherspoon goes to her room, walking super slowly to get her stuff, whatever that means, but then remembers the creepy old man. She goes to tell him there's been an emergency, so she's leaving the hotel, even though the emergency is that she's leaving the hotel. She finds this old dead body in the tub, and a note he wrote in the living room that says, Dear Ghost of Mary What's-Her-Name, can you read this, or do I need to use a Ouija board? Ah, oh, sigh, where to begin? But she doesn't have time to read the remaining three words because his ghost is after her for trying to leave the hotel without getting killed by him. And the ghost of the woman that he stood up at the altar. Apparently killing young blondes brings people together if they're dead. But psychics never remember that the person they're telling stuff to isn't going to listen to them. Uh, Anyway. (laughs) She goes to the lobby and Tintin's back. She tells him, "Ghost, something, something," and he's all, "Okay, get your stuff. I'll disappear from the movie till it's too late, too." Tintin wanders upstairs and hangs out by the craft services table out of frame and scowls at Ty West. <laughs> Reese Witherspin starts to get her stuff again, but then here's a ghost in the cellar, and she's all, "Is that you, Kirk Cameron's mom?" She walks super slowly to the top of the stairs, but then the old man's ghost stares at her, so she falls down the stairs and then runs into a dead end, i.e. the doors she padlocked earlier to cut down on bird scares. I guess she dies somehow, and I bet her last thought was, why are all the ghosts trying to kill me if Tintin's the douchebag character? (laughs) Epilogue. Dead bodies of Reese Witherspoon and the old man who killed her are brought out on stretchers. The cop tells Tintin, Okay, so let me get this straight. A ghost killed a young lady and himself. Okay, sounds legit. Buy a nickel. I'm absolving you of all suspicion. Go upstairs and get your stuff. (laughs) And also Kirk Cameron's mom. Bring her down so I can tell her to get her stuff. (laughs) Tintin goes upstairs in accordance with the law of the land, and Kirk Cameron's mom's staring out the window. He goes, why didn't you help prevent all this shit from happening if you're psychic? With a sad smile, she replies wisely, when has a psychic in a movie ever prevented anything?
0: The end. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Kelly Wand. Let's have a quick show of hands. Uh, Before we went into the innkeepers, the reason I was looking forward to it was because uh, Ty West has done a movie... I first ran into him uh, with a little indie movie that I incorrectly called The Shooter last week. That's that Mark Wahlberg conspiracy action thing. Uh, Ty West did something called Trigger Man. That's the first thing that I uh, came across him doing. He later did a movie called House of the Devil, uh, mm. which which I adore and which I want to talk about in a little bit. But first, a couple a show of hands has everyone on this podcast seen House of the Devil? Yeah. Good. Okay. Now. I mean, I have. I can't I, speak. I, I do want us to be careful in talking about House of the Devil. Uh, even if you guys aren't into it, uh, let's be careful about not spoiling anything in House of the Devil. There are a lot of things that I want to compare to what's in the innkeeper, but I do want us to keep in mind that this conversation, uh, that some people listening might not have seen House of the Devil. So do be careful about that. Uh, so we've all seen House of the Devil and the innkeepers. Kelly Wan, I cannot wait to hear you explain what what little redeeming value you might have found in the
1: innkeepers. But first...
0: Uh, dingus, will you accept my <laughs> sincere apology?
1: Um, easily, because uh, it means I got to see House of the Devil. Okay. Uh, it's all it's all worth it because of that. Uh,
0: b- without addressing House of the Devil, without bringing that into the conversation, what, Dingus, did you think of Innkeepers, the Innkeepers?
1: I thought I was watching something that somebody from my college made while I was in college.
0: <laughs> yeah. It did have that sort of... Um, student film quality. I, I was going to be generous and say early filmmaker quality, but yes, that uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, Dingus, do you think that there... Like, was there anything... For instance, Kelly Wand, I loved that, because you've sort of given me, not grief, but you've noticed that I do this sometimes. When I'm not engaged by a movie, I will notice things like the headlines on newspapers or the TV <laughs> footage in the background. I love I'm Kelly Wand. I'm not giving Wand. you grief. I like that. No, no, you're right. And, and what I love, Kelly Wand, is that you notice... uh misspellings of things like doorway. <laughs> uh, I love that as a writer, that's what engages your attention. Uh, but Dingus, before we go to Kelly, was there any redeeming value you found in the innkeepers?
1: Um, I liked Tintin, kind of. I mean, I like that guy. He was in Assassination of Jesse James. I like him. Really. Oh, he was the bearded guy. That's right. I was. Yeah, he was... Uh,
0: He's yeah. He was just sort of one of the little quiet bystanders in the gang there.
1: He's one of the uh, Ford boys actually. He's yeah. um, Willard something. I don't. Uh, well, I... well,
0: now that you mention that, I can clearly see his face like standing over uh, Jeremy Renner when Jeremy Renner's shot. I think uh, in that household with the the, the woman, the sister, or the, yeah, uh, that's right. But I do I do recognize his face from that now. Um, Kelly what is is that one of the things that you were going to mention? Is uh, Pat Healy was like a you liked him.
2: No, but I didn't know him from Jesse James.
0: Well, even... I... Go ahead. I like...
2: Who, me? Go ahead, Jesse. Yeah, you, Kelly, go. You just call me Jesse James? <laughs> That's right, um... I called you Jesse. Go ahead, Jesse. <laughs> Wait, is that the Casey Affleck character? And Jesse James? You... <laughs> Never mind. Anyway. Um, his brothers, I think. I forgot the question. Be
0: honest. Uh, so, because I, I wanna, I'm with Dingus in that I I did not like the guy's character. I didn't think his no. performance was that good because he didn't have What's anything to work with. But I did kind of like the actor. Watching it, I, I was because I, I did not like Sarah Paxson at all. But watching it, I kind of thought, you know what, that guy's good in another movie. I could see him being good. I kind of enjoyed watching what I suspected was a good actor struggling with bad material. And uh, so I I would say that might be about the only redeeming feature I found in it. Uh, you know that Sarah that Pax? moment where
1: he he walks up behind Sarah Paxton when she's looking out the window and he says, uh, "I don't want to scare you, but I'm standing right behind you." I yeah. really like that.
0: Mm-hmm. So uh, Kelly Wand, uh, what? I like the-, the old
2: man too. I thought he was good. He had a creepy face and a way about him. Like everyone seemed to know what they were in the movie for, except Sarah Paxton and. Um, What's her name? Kelly oh. Gillis character. That's so student film. A, like a psychic character. Like and House of the Devil, which had Jocelyn Donahue, and it, it was like perfectly cast. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just really striking that this, this came after that. Well,
0: that's what uh, that's that's what really killed it for me. I would say, other than thinking, hey, maybe Pat Healy's good in another movie, I literally found nothing enjoyable or likable, or that I would or recommend scary. about this thing, or scary. And, and I would never have guessed. That the guy who, who for whatever reason did the opening shot in House of the Devil, which is just a woman looking out of a window, that opening shot is 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 brilliant in House of the Devil, and there's there's kind of nothing going on. It's just a woman, uh, and he, how does he then go on to just do so much like filler and and just absolute? There's no tension or and suspense cat scares and, and cat scares. There's no character. In innkeepers yeah. it, with any with the place with the people with the mythology. There's nothing to it. So that's what just really killed the experience for me. Is thinking uh, is recalling what this guy did with House of the Devil and seeing that talent nowhere in evidence in in the innkeepers.
2: It's weird too, because House of the Devil for the first hour is all suspense. Like nothing happens. It's just her in the house. Like one. It's like a one woman show basically. Yep. And in this, he has more to work like more resources and there's simply nothing i so i want to be scared when i see these movies i root for them like i go in them sort of primed I'm a friendly horror audience member, generally.
0: <laughs> well, I'm the same way. As I watch a lot of crappy horror movies, and yeah. every time one starts up, my thinking is, I, I really excited. want this to be good. Yeah, this this might not be great; it might be crappy, but I want it to have some energy. You know, I, I'm rooting for every crappy horror movie I watch. Yeah, and and it, I can only sustain that for so long. The movie has to do something. But I didn't think there was. What happens about an hour and twenty minutes into this movie? There's no reason that stuff shouldn't have happened in the first thirty minutes. Right, uh, and I feel the the exact opposite about House of the Devil. House of the yeah. Devil is just ingenious in terms of drawing out any quote unquote events. Uh, you, you know, you, structurally, the structurally, there's so much in common with Innkeepers and in, in House of the Devil.
2: Yeah, um, uh, Maybe this they, was an earlier script, and like he wrote this ten years earlier, but House of the Devil got
1: financed first. But usually. Usually you're, if if you have something that's that good, it launches you into something and this really feels like this feels like the th- like you guys said, it feels like the thing that came first and then somehow he got lucked into money for a House lady, of the Devil. Yeah. Not the other way around. It's so weird. In fact, I can't think of another example of it. I can't think
2: of another movie where there's this awesome debut of someone, and then the next movie is a huge
0: step back. Well, now here, first of all, House of the Devil wasn't his debut. Like I mentioned, uh, even before Trigger Man, I think he had done some shorts. Uh, Trigger Man, which is rough. I mean, you certainly get the sense that it's a a first-time filmmaker, that he's sort of getting his feet about him, but it has a lot more in common with House of the Devil than something like Innkeepers. But I'd forgotten. This is also the guy that did the sequel to Cabin Fever. Ugh. And I, I haven't seen
2: all of that, but it, what little I saw was wretched.
0: It's yeah, it's wretched. It's obvious. It's it's just yeah. it's going for gross out factor. It has a horrible cast, and I don't think Ty West actually wrote that script because you know he's dealing with the sequel to Eli Roth's movie, and he, he's chained to what?
2: Well, I was going to say I just was repeating you. He's yeah, yeah. Eli- I mean-
0: Exactly. He's he's working with someone else's franchise, kind of, as it were. But that was... So, Dingus, is it correct that Ty West wrote The Innkeepers? This is his script?
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah, God. I didn't know that he had done that other thing, because there's a special thanks to Eli Eli Roth at the end of them. I didn't know that's why. Well, here's what what I'm going to posit.
0: This is my theory. You know how in... uh, (laughs) I've brought this analogy up before. In Platoon... Charlie Sheen uh, has, on one hand, Willem Dafoe, sort of struggling for his soul, and on the other hand, Tom Berenger. Ty West is like Charlie Sheen. And on one hand, he's got this sort of Eli Roth, just amateurish, gross-out, borderline incompetent style of approaching a horror movie. I can't stand Eli Roth. And on the other hand, and and this guy has produced all of Ty West's movies, there's a fellow named Larry Fessenden who uh who works with like Kelly Reichardt for instance Larry Fessenden yeah. is this hardcore indie guerrilla New York filmmaker he's done his own kind of uh stylish horror movies uh one of his early really cool ones is called The Habit um and it's kind of a vampire story about uh relationships and one of his more developed ones is called uh Wendigo with uh, Patricia Clarkson and, and a little kid from uh, Malcolm in the Middle and a guy named Jake Weber. And it's based on sort of Native American mythology and, and, uh, and modern culture, and it's great. And, and so Larry Fessenden is sort of one half of – he's like one of the guys that Ty West works with. And then Eli Roth is the other. So it's almost like, like Ty West is this poor Charlie Sheen character, and he's got two different philosophies competing for his soul. That's my theory. So there you or go. Or like
2: Christopher Nolan, he has Jonathan Nolan as his William Defoe. Yep. And Zack Snyder is his <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: so so uh Dingus, how did you find uh Sarah Paxton?
1: Um I I find Kelly's uh Reese Witherspoon thing funny, but she kept reminding me of I think her name is Alexis Blydell, the the girl who was in uh, Gilmore Girls. Mm-hmm. Um and she just constantly looks confused <laughs> about what the hell she's supposed to be doing. Poor girl. I mean, it, it, it's like that, that thing about uh, playing the notes but not hearing the music kind of mm-hmm. a thing. Mm-hmm. Yep, Jocelyn yep. Donahue heard the music.
0: And that's another thing. Is Good Lord, Jocelyn Donahue was so amazing in House of the Devil.
3: Yeah.
2: Uh,
0: she's just so watchable, and she's got just so much expressiveness and character, and, and it feels like Ty West absolutely gets that. And yet, here's this girl from Shark Knight 3D. You know, Sarah. I he was
2: channeling like, mm-hmm. and I just saw it tonight. So I, Paul, I keep going back to House of Evil because I'm kind of still buzzing from it. As as, as well
0: you should, as well stuff, you like, should. Yeah. yeah. So I'm uh, sort of like obsessing on it. She's perfect uh, as well for
2: the
1: um, period.
2: Yeah, she's channeling the 80s. That's what I was gonna say. It's like, right. she, and she even looks like the chick from Friday the 13th 3D, um, the kind of hot brunette and what I thought was one of the more memorable Friday the 13th. <laughs> well, that's I she's mean, kind of tenacious. She was the tenacious heroine who actually did get away, but she snapped, I think at the end, but she are you talking about
0: Friday the 13th. Yeah.
2: Okay. Uh, and maybe this chick survives, too. <laughs> um, I don't want to spoil it. I really don't want to spoil House of the Devil for
0: anyone. Well, and, and that's, I think, a lot of, too, what, what House of the Devil has going for it, and, and part of why it has so much character. And this is so obvious from the moment of the credits that it's a period piece. You know, there's never a title card that tells you the year or anything, but the moment the credits come up and the style that Ty West yeah. shoots the credits for House of the Devil and that, that awesome music playing over the credits, it's clear that he is doing... Y- you could probably show this to someone and say, Hey, this was shot back in, uh, you know, uh and they would believe you uh he he uh, that's clearly what he's going for and, and i don't there's no analog to that in the innkeepers the innkeepers it just feels like they were they got to use this this chintzy little tourist inn for a two-week shoot and they were like ah, what the hell let's let's make something uh cheap and and, and that's what's out. weird
2: They like they shot it in an actual the it's apparently an actual inn like connecticut uh,
0: something peddler, <laughs> the Yankee peddler, Dingus. The Yankee peddler, right? So you found these online, Dingus? Like this is an actual place, huh?
1: Yeah, it is, and they're they're proud of uh of having this movie shot there and done a- and other photo shoots there too.
0: I thought it looked horrible. It's not scary looking. It's, it's not scary looking. Scary. It really does look. I if, if I would I, like, I would hate to stay there. Even I just thought it looked like a really cheap, chintzy. Like I said, a tourist trap. I just it was ugly and and, and, and tacky. I thought. Uh, no, That's like a Howard Johnson's.
1: Yep. Yep. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know, Tom, you don't even have to wait for the the credits that you're talking about in House of the Devil. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you you mentioned this a while ago, that, that opening shot over her shoulder and that push into her. It's so late 70s, 80s. It's perfect. He, I mean, I don't know how somebody handles that type of shot so deftly and sets... Sets the period so perfectly, and then makes the innkeepers.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and also what, what a lot of what House of the Devil has going for it. In addition to Jocelyn Donahue being very good, it also has other very good actors. The scene with Jocelyn Donahue and Dee Wallace Stone, certainly Greta Gerwig showing up when um, Tom man, Tom man. Noonan and Mary Warnos when they show yeah. up. Like like it has an, a, a really accomplished task, just tapped into what Ty West is doing in House of the Devil, it's pitch and perfect. It is so pitch perfect, Kelly Wand, like everybody just plays his or her part just almost impeccably and and with this great sense of naturalism too like it, he it's sort of like Ty west isn't he's just sort of letting them breathe and be, and whereas in innkeepers that just comes across as like empty and 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 dull it's just so compelling in house of the devil uh so yeah,
2: but it maybe on the, maybe on the page it looked better. Like In maybe, Keepers? yeah, maybe they look like the exact same quality script, and like just somehow lightning didn't strike twice.
0: I would like to see like it sort of seemed like with Keepers he was wanting to play with this idea of you know all these paranormal researchers and the the guy having the website and 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 having claimed he saw something when he was really it was just bluster like i I could see him maybe like- wanting to play with this modern idea of of the fascination with the paranormal um. So, yeah, maybe on the though. page.
2: Yeah, so, in, Go ahead. What a, was something else? In a post-Lake Mungo world, mm-hmm. I'm really way, way more finicky about my ghost stuff now. <laughs> like, when I look at when the ghost in the innkeeper and I think back to Lake Mungo, I go, no, not scary. I know which one will keep me up at night way longer. <laughs> well, than,
0: well, the so, thing is, yeah. well, there, there's another crappy horror movie that I want to recommend that I think touches on addresses much more effectively what Ty West was touching on in The Innkeepers. There's a movie called Grave Encounters, which wow, yeah, is a, a found it. footage movie about a, a paranormal TV show, like a TV Rich, show that... Right? Uh, you know, that's a very good question, Kelly. When I, I, I want to say... I'm trying to like think back to it and I don't recall whether they had accents or not. Uh, but you might be right. You might be right. Um, but the thing is, I don't think Grave Encounters is actually that good, but what it is, is incredibly energetic. Uh, and it, it's really in touch with this idea of we're gonna play with contemporary fascination about paranormal stuff and these crappy TV shows that are on, you know, Discovery Channel or whatever. Like it's really in tune with this, this contemporary subject matter and it's just energetic. Uh, so if you're gonna have a crappy movie, at least be energetic. And there's again nothing like that in the innkeepers. Um, it's Canadian American. The innkeepers or grave encounters? No, yes. grave encounters. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I didn't think they were British.
1: Um, well, if you I hadn't brought up that cabin fever thing, Tom, I would, I would kind of sit here wondering because because House of the Devil is so deftly handled. Mm-hmm. I would, I, I kind of start thinking I, I started thinking, well maybe innkeepers, maybe he's maybe this is kind of a joke on us. Maybe maybe he's creating this student film thing. Like he created this late seventies, eighties thing and he totally he totally went for it. There's never a wink, there's never a nod in House of the Devil. It's just this no. is a thing, this is a period piece, and and the only way you're gonna know it's from uh, whatever year it's from, is by looking at IMDb. Otherwise, you're going to have no idea, uh, or if you know the actors. Um, so so. part of me thinks, well, maybe he's just making, like, a student film-level, terrible, straight-to-video homage kind <laughs> of thing. <laughs> yeah. uh, because how does somebody who's that good then turn in this? Because it really feels like a, a kid made it. <laughs>
0: Uh, I would invite everyone listening to go to the IMDb page for Ty West, his first name is spelled T-I, and look at the photograph he has chosen for himself on IMDb. Really? (laughs) Wait, wait. (laughs) I think it pretty much tells you everything you need to know about it. It it makes me think that Dingus might be right. (laughs)
1: Uh, Danny McBride.
0: He looks
2: like uh, Reese Iffens. A little bit.
0: Uh, I and you can tell from that picture, he's not above just goofing around, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. He
2: looks, like, well, Eli Roth's kind of, or you know, he looks like, um, what's the hangover guy?
0: Zach Galifianakis, Ed Helms. Todd, no, Todd Phillips. Todd, Todd Phillips.
2: Phillips. Okay. Or the other Todd Phillips.
0: Well, you know, I hope but, this no, no. does well for him, but I just got the sense that it's, uh, you know, his heart wasn't in it, or, or whatever, I, uh, it just... It really did just feel like a quick, crappy shoot, and uh, they dumped it out there and just... <laughs> you know what else
2: was weird about it, too? is uh-huh. like House of the Devil actually has a lot of unpredictable things in it, too. Like Yeah. The ed- rhythms are really tricky. You're not sure when what's going to happen happens. Mm-hmm. And even at the end, like the main character does some inter- some surprising things in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yep, uh, yep. Uh, and this, I was never once surprised. I knew the guy was lying about having seen the ghost. Um, well, I- it just yeah. gets to,
0: to me, it, it just Innkeepers is just so obvious. Like it, yeah. yeah, it's, not, it's subtle.
1: Yeah. And amateur. It's, I mean, that, that weird Starbucks coffee shop. Oh, God. <laughs> Have <we laughs> either of you that? seen the movie Tiny Furniture?
0: No, no. What does it no. make you think of that? I want to, though. What, what, how, why do you mention that, Dingus?
1: I haven't seen it, but uh, but a friend of mine had it on his top ten list. I think it might have been Gordon, actually. Yeah. Uh, and the, the girl in that scene is the filmmaker, and the actress she wrote, directed, and starred in that movie that I'd ah. heard, I'd heard about. And so she bounces into this movie doing this horrible... I mean, I can't say she's horrible, it's just this... What, what the hell does that, that scene even have it to do with anything? Well,
0: you know, uh, Larry Fessenden has a very brief part, and I think he's actually got fairly high billing on the cast list in, in Cabin Fever, where he just shows up, uh, he's in a diner, and he quickly gets the flesh-eating virus, and they just put a bunch of, like, gory effects on him, and he dies. But he's fairly high listed in the credits, so I, I imagine that's just a little bit of stunt casting from Ty West, but... Uh, I actually remember not minding her. Like, when, when Sarah Paxton goes back and is like, yeah, this woman was really annoying, I was like, well, shut up. At least she was, like, energetic.
1: I mean, At right. least that actress was actually trying to do something and, and sort of briefly uh, came alive. I, um, well, I I liked what she was doing, too, that whole I am, does he love me or not thing, but it just doesn't pay off at all. Right, right. Uh, yeah. I didn't believe in that character. I didn't believe in
2: any of these characters. <laughs> Very unconvincing, you would say. Did you see the uh, the Roost his two thousand Ty West two thousand five thing also? No, with Tom Noonan, and
0: Larry Fassman? Oh, so he'd worked with Tom Noonan before. I did not know that. Yeah. Uh, it's it- on it's on Netflix, but it's not Instant Watch. So I've got it in oh. my queue. H- have you seen it, Kelly Wand? No, but I was
2: thinking maybe just the farther back we go, maybe it's a law of increasing returns. Like that'll I think be even better
0: than. I think it's probably more of an uh, like a Star Trek thing. Like, the even-numbered Ty West movies are awesome. The odd-numbered ones suck. <laughs> I That's... thought that only works if the numbers in the title. Because
2: uh, the Bond no. movies...
0: Oh. Well, I'm applying you know... it to the chronological sequence in his career. Yes, Tom? <laughs> ah! I'm using math, Kelly Wand. Time I, is a river, huh, Tom? <laughs> Very good.
2: Uh, all right, so... Not a rooster. Yeah, here we are, still talking about the Inquisition. <laughs>
3: But Sarah uh, Paxton, I
2: I, I don't want to th- – it might not be her fault. Like, I think she was miscast, but I always feel bad for actors who are miscast because they did cast themselves. They tried out for the part, and then Ty West went, yeah, perfect. If I get the haircut, this thing, and then you wear the headphones and then the piano or something, it'll
0: be no, awesome. no, because you know what? I – I could maybe see, because she's awful in Shark Knight too. Like, nobody's good in really? Shark Night. Of course. Yeah, but everybody in Shark Knight is so incredibly annoying and grating and unlikable. Uh, so that maybe, that colored, maybe that color, maybe <laughs> that uh, Okay, you know what? I dare you, Kelly Wand. I challenge you to watch Shark Knight. Have fun. Uh, <laughs> it's not fun. There's nothing fun about how awful everyone is in Shark Knight. You know, I mentioned, and I don't know if you'd actually seen this, Kelly Wan, but I mentioned a horror movie called The Reeker, which isn't very good. But the oh, Reaker, yeah, yeah, and the Reeker—it's just called all-
2: Reeker, Tom. Just uh, called Reeker.
0: Are you sure? Oh yeah.
2: How, why do you know this? Because I saw part of it. Okay, because I was really intrigued by it. wait, it's the thing that's scary about it. Something that doesn't come across in a movie. Let's see how they handle that. Because oh, yeah, It is
0: literally. Great. It's about the smell of the thing. Yeah. But and a uh, I think has. Uh, I don't think it's that well written, but I think it has a very likable cast. Like it. It's not a great movie, but it's not. It's one of those rare horror horror movies where I'm not instantly hoping everybody dies as quickly as possible. And that was that's the case with Shark Night. I'm like, oh, for Pete's sake, so some you guys hurry up and get eaten already. Yeah. Uh, and so that's another thing that... It's like that,
2: yeah. It, that's the thing that bugged me about innkeepers is I just sit in the snaps and it's like, I want to declare a, an indefinite moratorium on scenes in horror movies where people are walking really slowly in the dark yeah. after the plot's already established that they're in the same residence with a serial killer or a fucking zombie or an alien and they're still walking slowly in the dark and they're calling people's names. And the only dialogue you hear is, Kirsten, Kirsten, <laughs> Kirsten... <laughs> Like twenty minutes. It's so. It's like that's student filmmaking horror, and it's not in *House of the Devil*
0: at all, right? Yep, yep. I agree. And *House of the Devil* is full of like, like, what could be uh, argued is, is padding, but it works. And it's, it's that's yeah. So many horror movies are people either walking around in the forest yeah. or walking around in a house. Near uh, miss. And but it's
2: not that. It's like it, it's like calling Hitchcock padding, like that's not padding. Who, who's who's he? Alfred Hitchcock, the um, musician.
0: <laughs>
2: two words, by the way, like innkeepers. Hitchcock, by the way.
0: Wait, say that again. What?
2: It's Hitchcock's two words, like innkeepers.
0: Ah, and doorway, of course. Right, right.
2: You to uh, keep saying it till you find?
0: The, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, come on. There's still plenty to be said I about know, innkeepers. Okay, you know what? There was. Some... Yeah, go ahead. Well, how about that Kelly McGillis?
2: Yeah. Oh, dude, horrible character, horribly written, <laughs> totally pointless. Nothing. Not sp- uh, and by the way, that's Dingus's uh, poster girl, Kelly McGillis's. Yeah, oh, he, because Witness. Right. When Dingus was talking about the the uh, dance scene with Harrison Ford and Witness, like you get yeah, your dingus yeah. back to watch. Oh yeah, Kelly McGillis, on uh, an uh, Amish skirt. You know how Dingus thinks.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I loved how she was on the tenth floor after that dumpster scene. Somehow she's clearly not on the second floor. She's how did she get up there? That's weird. Wait,
0: Wait what? Oh, looking out the window,
1: you mean? Yeah, after after that ridiculous oh, uh, moment where. Sarah Paxson is struggling with all her business with the garbage bag. She turns around and sees Kelly McGillis looking at her, and she's clearly like on the seventh or eighth floor of some building when the only floor that's available is the second floor. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Dingus, are you saying this movie has
0: continuity problems? No, not at all.
2: But Hitchcock (laughs) would do it with stairways, and it
0: was genius. Well, I think we can all agree Ty West is no Alfred Hitchcock for his odd-numbered movies. I did like one callback, though, was uh, she watches the, the video of
2: the door closing, and it's really boring, and then at the end, there's a door closing. Come on, you did not like that, Kelly Wand. I don't believe you. Well, no, it was like, the fake ghost closes the door gently, but she's pissed off. Like, now I'm a ghost. Fuck this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was your rendition of the ghost. gonna try to empathize with s- dead, undead spirits. Yeah. So what you're saying is that the footage on that guy's website was fake.
2: No, the end last door was fake. The internet one was real.
0: No, that, that's the whole point. I think the point of the movie is that it is actually uh, haunted throughout. Okay, actually, here you go. Here's a quiz for you guys. What do the innkeepers, what do the ghosts in the innkeepers in Paranormal Activity 3 have in common? Uh, witches? Mm. Witches. Switches?
2: <laughs> Does it rhyme? <laughs> no. <laughs> dingus, you're the brains of this operation. Dingus,
0: can you get yeah, this oh, one? I'm up?
1: They're really good at animating sheets.
0: Very good, Dingus! Dingus, Kelly one. why can't you be as good as Dingus at that stuff?
1: Oh, it was
2: animated?
0: One,
3: two, three, not only you let me go on huh. 80 degrees and I'm calling. La,
2: la, la, la,
0: la, la, la.
1: That was terrible.
0: I'm so glad you guys saw House of the Devil.
1: <laughs> Me too, man. I, I, I'm, I've watched it and bits of it. Oh, man, it's so great. What? I wasn't listening. Uh,
0: what else has... Do we know what Jocelyn Donahue has been doing since then? No. She's been
2: in my head since that movie. <laughs> and not just my head.
0: I don't think that's a pain. I
2: <laughs> do <laughs>
1: No, but what AJ else? Bowen, the uh, the son, was in the Signal. And I love that guy. He's so. Oh cute. my God! That's Thank nice. you, Dingus. Thank you. He's also the.
0: He's well. He's one of the main reasons you should see this movie. I've talked about it a couple of times. Called a horrible way to die. I knew I recognized him. I love that guy. Yeah, the, the fellow from the Signal and a horrible way to die, was the the bearded fellow. I'm so. Thank you, Dingus. Awesome. What's, a good, what What's what? a good way to die? What is what? What's a good
2: way to die? <laughs>
0: That's a good question. Uh, not the ways in the movie, A Horrible Way to Die.
2: Jocelyn Donahue also played Cute Girl in He's Just Not That Into You.
0: Mm, she should have had a bigger part. She's a big By part. the oh, way, she's here's
2: a, when a Western yeah. horror movie called The Burrowers. I thought you would know.
0: Oh, Joc- I've seen that. Jocelyn Donahue's in that? Oh. Yeah. I guess she's going to be like this sort of scream queen kind of thing. That's too bad. She should be in real movies for Pete's sake.
2: She's too hot to get killed off
0: constantly. And not just hot, but good. I mean, she's a, yeah. she's, she's a beautiful woman, but she's just so good. All right. Well, uh, let's do a three by three. Instead of putting on Jocelyn Donahue, keep Well, here we go. How about we change this week's three by three to three things that are good about House of the Devil?
2: Uh, okay. Jocelyn Donahue's right boob, her left boob, and
0: her stomach. Kelly, <laughs> one, you're awful. And first of all, uh, how unflattering! More clothing was clothing back then. <laughs> I wish even your jeans was one size tighter. Just
1: one. I know the jeans. Even the jeans were wrong. That was so beautiful, especially
0: the jeans and the flannel and and poor Greta Gerwig's hair. It was just like it was. It was endearing ultimately. But uh, man, Wait, how did, you did had it the same pizza place as the other pizza place? What, what now? Else? In House of the yeah. Devil, what about... No, no, because there's a pizza play. There are a couple of good pizza scenes. So there's that pizza scene in, in House of the Devil. Okay.
2: Right. Uh,
0: and what, what about it now?
2: Well, there's one at the beginning where they're eating pizza. Right, right. Oh, right, a girl goes, oh, this pizza tastes nasty. And then yep. later, and Donahue's Pizza. It's like, is that the only pizza place in town, is satanic cult pizza?
0: <laughs> it could be. I don't know. Well, that's... You know what? House of the Devil, by golly, does not need to explain itself. It appreciates yeah. that a horror movie does not need... It doesn't even necessarily need rules. It doesn't need explanation. It doesn't need a little kind of a, a reveal at the end. Just, you know what? Be creepy. Tell a creepy story. Show us freaky things. We're fine. I don't need everything. Let's
2: see, let's see Ty West do his homage to, like, the grudge movies kind of thing. Like, where the cat is the cat scare. That's the scary. It's the scary cat.
0: And uh, can get it in the day or night. You know what? I would love to see Ty West. If 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 they're going to bring over and remake the, these Japanese horror films, give them to someone like Ty West. Yeah. Uh, although you know what? Ty West is on probation now.
2: Mm. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, well, I saw the I saw House of the Devil last, so he's off my probation
0: from the keepers. It's all about order. Very good. You're right. right, Kelly Wand. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's do a three by three. This week's three right. by three. And by the way, the Innkeepers might qualify. I'm, I'll be curious to see if Innkeepers is on anybody's list. These are, there are scenes. Doors in it. Yeah, there are doors in it, and these are scenes where, where presumably the doors feature prominently. So uh, I want your three, we'll just call them door scenes. <clears throat> Excuse me, the only thing taken off the table, Innkeepers is fair game, the only thing taken off the table is uh, Take Shelter, which uh, is a movie last year that we all loved that inspired this 3x3. It has a great scene about a door, and you cannot use that one, I'm afraid. I think Dingus tried to over the course of the week. Dingus, I hope you found a suitable replacement.
1: I did. I'm embarrassed that I totally forgot that.
0: All right. Uh, We are starting, Kelly Wand, with you, because you are introducing next week's 3x3. First of all, Kelly Wand, how did you feel about this uh, 3x3? Because I know you had some misgivings about whether or not a portal was a door. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> oh, well. I also have quite. I also have doubts that it's also a gun in a video game. Jk. <laughs> okay. um, no, I like the topic. Uh, I don't think I did it justice when you're the ones where I kind of look forward to seeing what other people came up with online than my own answers, and they should just read theirs on the podcast because mine are kind of mine are kind of boring and and obvious. Uh, and so right. the third most obvious door, when mm-hmm. I like, I like the idea of, of the door being a human being's idea of ways to keep out stuff, even though they're actually not, I mean, they have cracks and they're made out of cheap wood, usually, and mm-hmm. they're surrounded by, it's like, but if we close the door, it's okay. And to me, that, uh, was kind of summed up in, um, Close Encounters
0: door. Ah, Right, because uh, the light, uh, that's kind of iconic, is the light yeah, shining around the, the cracks in the door. And it's all you see of what's going on outside. Although I've always watched, every time I see that shot,
2: I always go, well, are the other neighbors watching uh, this kid get dragged through the cat door? Or are their kids getting dragged too?
0: Well, now, like, that's he- one. Of, I think that's one of the things that's made clear in the way Spielberg shoots that, is that, is that house, isn't that out in the middle of nowhere? Like, there are no neighbors. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the like- house
2: of the aliens. <laughs> That could be an
0: alternate title for Close Encounters.
2: And then Uh, they go, oh, shut the door. Now we have to figure out another way. Oh, I know. We'll we'll telekinetically unscrew the screws on the radiator.
0: That always kids.
3: Yeah,
0: I know. I didn't understand the thing with the screws. As a kid, I remember seeing that and thinking, what's going on? How are they doing that? Uh, And as I got older, I'm like, why is Spielberg showing us that? What's what's with the – Why is he showing us that? Yeah, and then, like, an hour
2: later, oh, good news, those aliens who fuck with your mind and s- unscrew the thing and, like, scare the shit out of you and steal <laughs> your kids. Uh, yeah, you get to go off with them. Yay! It's like the end of House of the Devil is, sh- is like... Whoa, oh, oh, careful. Oh, all right. <laughs> well, this doesn't happen at the end of House of the Devil. Well, okay, just pretend it's, about, it's another movie called A House of A Devil. Like, if a portal to hell opens at the end, and then... The ha- like... Oh, weird. right, right. Six sure. swells, and then.
0: <laughs> Here's like, is the. You if,
2: get dragged to
0: hell. Okay, it's the end of Drag to Hell. Like yeah, Exactly. Drag yes. Drag. Exactly. If, if at the end of Drag to Hell, uh, if Allison Lohman uh, was greeted by uh, fuzzy little devils and yeah,
2: willingly went with them. And then, right.
0: <laughs> he gets, she gets into a stagecoach,
2: uh, like the Central Park ones, but it's got like, the hell horses.
0: And there's sparkles <laughs> in everywhere. But,
2: yeah. yeah. Remember in Drive Angry? There was that, ro- that road, too, that. People used to drive out of hell, yeah they're escaping, but hell like the devil was considered enough to give them a road to try to escape on like okay if you get a car with gas in it in hell the road parts taken care of Kelly one that's in the
0: Bible <sighs> is close to counters in the Bible yeah. <laughs> <That's it. laughs> Uh, All right, so Kelly Wan's number three, Close Encounters. Uh, This reminds me a lot of a runner-up that I'll talk about later, so uh, I'm going to table that. Uh, But Dingus, what is your number? First of all, Dingus, what did you think of this 3x3? Did it work for you? Oh, yeah, I loved it. Okay. Uh, What did you you pick for your third choice?
1: All right, here's a quote from it. Mm -hmm. You're going to break the door. you Are going to pay for it? By the way, I just
0: want to say one of the things that inspired this. I remember from way back when, Dingus, hold that thought for a second. Uh, this, the specific movies were an Andre Konchalovsky movie with John Voight and Eric Roberts called Runaway Train. And I think the same summer I saw it, I also watched a crappy zombie movie called Shockwaves, where Peter Cushing plays a Nazi scientist who's making... Uh, Underwater zombies in both of those movies, it features someone flinging himself at a door shouting, open the goddamn door. (laughs) And I remember I ever since then, there are in, in many movies, you will find someone with and without varying levels of profanity yelling or desperately imploring somebody to open the door. I think, you know, just like there are those montages of get out of there, uh, you could have an open the door montage. It's, it's something that gets said in movies a lot. So that's part of what inspired this. So, Dingus, give me your point. Wait, quote so again. no
2: one ever says close the fucking door now?
0: Like not, C- Kelly Wan, not as often as they say open the door. I think in oh. movies, more often people yell for doors <laughs> to be open than closed. Because the payoff's what's going
2: on on the other side, not.
0: Exactly. It's, it's a door shut. The right. end.
2: <laughs> 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 Took us
0: all movie, but
1: it's shut now. <laughs>
0: So dingus, uh, it reminded me of, your line reminded me of that.
1: Let's hear it again, Dingus. Well, what you just said reminded me that in um, House of the Devil, isn't she watching at one point Night absolutely, of the Living Dead? Absolutely. Uh, you know, it, it makes me wonder
0: if Night of the Living Dead is like public domain or something. Right? It, <laughs> right. People people in movies see Night of the Living Dead a lot.
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah,
2: it's always playing.
0: And they always have
2: it to that channel, and the character's never that interested in it. Oh, it's this movie. Oh, it's the part where they all get killed. <laughs> I like the part where they hammer shit over the
1: doors for an hour. I guess I missed it.
0: Uh, all right, so Dingus, what is your line again?
1: Uh, the line is: "You're going to break the door. Are you going to pay for it." Break the door. You know. Evil Dead Two. Yeah, I don't know.
0: I don't think I, it's not enough information to go on, Dingus. It's really
1: not. Um, and then the, the characters uh, look at each other, they say teamwork, and then they knock the door down. So the, uh, the, door, the door being knocked down is in Pineapple Express. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> What's the actual scene? The scene is uh, Danny McBride has gone into his bathroom and locked himself in. <laughs> his, uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. To get his phone out of the toilet. Um, so that he could call Ted to uh, drop the dime on uh, the two guys who are trying to get in the door who are Dale. Bag. Well, yeah, the dime on, on Dale and Saul, I think, is James Franco's character. And uh, and they have to get in there. And what's great about it is that they, they don't just kick the door in. They kick the door down so that um, Seth Rogen falls on top of the door with Danny McBride <laughs> under the door. And it's like this door sandwich with uh, with Seth Seth Rogen on top of him while James Franco jumps up and down on the phone in the bathtub, and Denim um, Bright says that his 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 uh, balls are being uh, squeezed and calls for a timeout. So I just love that that uh, when they go into the bathroom, uh, they not they completely knock the door off of it, and the door becomes part of the fight.
0: That is lovely. And remember when David Gordon Green wasn't making the sitter or your highness?
1: Yeah.
2: Don't <sighs> talk to highness shit to dingus i love that dingus the least stoned of the three of us is the one who can remember pineapple express like every scene for can see why she looks <laughs> so and went
0: this is good <laughs> and that's right that that kind of that level of humor dingus should not understand. and the highness
2: right yeah. or your highness the highness
0: the highness that works a highness <laughs> the, the more
2: stone david gordon green gets the more uh teetotal or dingus appreciates his comedy. <laughs> He's he's, he's reaching one person, and it's a non-stoned
0: It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, All right, I didn't like this topic, and here's why. What? So I I took take shelter off the, the table because it's such a like meaningful significant thing about you know the door the imagery and it, it's just it's take shelter is so good anyway so I was thinking I'm sure there's all these other sequences I can think of where where it's just as like meaningful and there's some sort of like narrative or metaphorical significance blah 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 and I couldn't come up with anything so. <laughs> I can get a little highfalutin with my number 1 but mostly my other ones are just yeah this this is cool and there's a door uh, so that's that's how most of mine go uh my number 3 um we all see those little bits where there's like an action scene, and and the uh, like somebody's at home and they're hiding, and the bad guy comes to their door, and maybe there's some shenanigans about looking through the eye hole or something, or maybe it's a door where you can see the light underneath and you see the shoes there. Uh, that kind of stuff is in in suspense or action movies all the time, but I love how far it goes in this movie, and it's the door sequence. In No Country for Old Men, where Llewellyn is in a, I think it's in El Paso. He's in a big hotel in El Paso, and he finally discovers there's a tracking device in that the money he's carrying around. And that shiger uh, and these are James Brolin and Javier Bardem, respectively, uh, that's how he's been finding him. So he finds it. He, he's laying there in bed at night thinking, how does he fa- how did he, he, how is he following me? And he wakes up, and he, he goes through the money, and he finds the tracking device and uh, shuts the light off. And this is one of those little convenient moments where the timing just happens to work perfectly. And he shuts the light off and he waits and he sees the two uh, feet from the lit hallway outside in front of the door. And he's, he's sitting there holding the shotgun ready to get the drop on whoever comes through. But then the feet move on and the light in the hallway turns out. And I just, oh, yeah, I, I yeah. love that little moment yeah. where it's about two men outsmarting each other on, the, on either, either side of this door. And most of that sequence, and it even goes that way. The rest of the the sort of the action sequence, which is this great shootout. I mean, in in a way, we expect movie shootouts to be something like Heat, uh, but the shootout in No Country for Old Men, where so much of it is from the perspective of of uh, of Llewellyn, James Brolin's character. Underdog. The underdog, but also, like, he doesn't know, he doesn't really know what's coming. He doesn't know who's right. after him, and all he sees is, like, a muzzle flash or a shadow. Uh, like, it, it's so much about, like, that kind of action sequence where it's so much based on you don't know where the other guy is or how he sees you, and you're doubling around, and you think you're gonna escape out of a car. And the, I mean, I love the way that whole thing is done, that whole El, pa- El Paso sequence. And I love, too, how. Uh, Chigurh's little cattle killer gun comes into play because he uses it to knock the lock out of a door. And and so, uh, James Brolin's just sitting there, or Josh Brolin, I keep calling him his father's name, Josh Brolin's just sitting there holding the shotgun at the door ready to shoot anyone who comes through and then the cattle gun fires the lock off of the doorknob into his chest. And he, has this, he has this great little expression like, what the, you know, did he just yeah. get shot? Because he has no idea there's a cattle gun over there. Mm-hmm. So I just love that little exchange, you know, two men with, uh, you know, with Sugar and his weird cattle gun uh, sort of squaring off on either side of a door. And how that starts out this great action sequence in, in No Country for Old Men.
2: Uh, A lot of it's the timing, too, because you see under the crack, sugar goes, and then he comes back slowly, and then mm -hmm. you're still on the crack, this long, long, genius Cohen's, like, wait, like, and then the light goes out.
1: Yep. And then you go, oh, so the guy at the front desk is dead. Well, he also calls. I mean, it's not entirely convenient. And this is my number two, by the way, Tom. Ah, Um, hey, dingus. (laughs) This is the one that made the list after I had to knock, take shelter off. Um because he ah, calls like, the front desk and it, and it lets it ring and ring and ring and ring, and that's how he knows what's going right, on. Right.
0: And that, well, that's uh, how I, he knows I love that, something, that. that something is going on at that moment. Yeah, that he's been basically tracked down. Uh, that's how he knows that uh, someone's coming for him. Absolutely
1: dingus. Uh, and they are so good about this, this that, that iconic just push in on a, on a, um, stationary object like a door and that that just waiting for the door waiting for the door and and this is why i love this this type of category because door isn't just another thing that that thing can open (laughs) and and just waiting for that to happen and then the setup for the the thing that happened with the door lock has gone on before Mm -hmm. and i that's what made that was what made this pop into my head was that cattle prod door thing.
0: Well, do you know, Dingus? They're not done, by the way. Where when the cattle prod door thing blows open the door uh, in the, in that hotel, they're not done with that. Do you remember where else it comes into play before the movie is out? Um, and I only know this because I just watched it. Uh, well,
1: uh, I just I only watched you know. this scene and then watched the uh, um, the. Uh, Hey, Mr. Sporting Goods, because I know right. you.
0: <laughs> well, if you if you go a little farther, of course, near the end, there's a really weird scene uh, where Tommy Lee Jones goes to the scene after everything's presumably passed oh, along. Yeah. Uh... Goes to the scene of the hotel room, and they do this weird cut. I don't know if it's a cut or if it's a weird time expectation thing, where Tommy Lee Jones is at the door to the hotel room, and with a lot of trepidation, he pulls his gun open, and he, and he actually notes, you know, he sees the the place where the lock should be and how it's been bored clean. We as the audience know that it's that cavil gun. I don't think he knows what it is. And he pushes open the door and he goes inside. But before he goes inside, there's a shot of sugar standing there in the shadows with his his shotgun and this freaky look on his face, and Tommy Lee Jones goes into the hotel room, and, and of course he's not there. Nothing happens, but I think it's this weird representation of Shagur as kind of this force of of nature almost. Like he he represents waiting evil, uh, and even if he's not literally in the room, you know that's what Tommy Lee Jones is kind of fearing is that that presence. Uh, I love just how how unsettling and unclear in a way, how ambiguous that that moment is. Uh, And it's very much about Tommy Lee Jones going through that door.
1: Um, I can't believe you took that. I can't, can't believe haha ha, I scooped you. <laughs> I I love the way that looks too. The with him sitting there in the in the semi dark after he's he's got the shotgun on his lap, Josh Brolin, and he reaches over without looking at the lamp to turn it off. Yeah. And then there's the shot of him in profile with the shotgun. It's just so such a beautiful dark shot. That that scene is oh, so brilliant. And and just Uh from
0: a an action scene perspective, I love how they both have their different guns. You know, they've both doctored up these shotguns, uh, and I love how uh, you you know how it unfolds into a a kind of a chase afterwards. I love how it's a standoff. You you know how they both get injured and have to withdraw. Um, Uh Yeah, just uh, no country for old men is so good. They should give that movie some Academy Awards.
1: I really should.
2: I was, when, though, when I watched it, and I always think this in movies, too, I always go, all right, he knows the guy's outside the door, but they, he always stays, like, across from it. Like, how come they never, like, oh, oh okay, he's right outside the door. I'm going to go right over to the wall and ambush him. Because he's still, like, if the door is kicked open. He's going to get shot.
0: You know what, Kelly Wand? Uh, I think you can, uh, based on how the movie ends, I think that eventually <laughs> uh, that's probably something you should have told him about before now. I guess he was in a real jam. Oh, because that's part of a door. Well played, Kellywand. Get it, Dingus? <laughs> See what I did there? Kellywand, what is your number two choice for a favorite door scene? I guess he should have lentils in his
2: suit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's terrible.
2: That character was a real knob.
0: <laughs> Kelly Wand, it all hinges on your next
2: choice. Ah! Oh! Uh- all right, let's lock this down. This <laughs> list. Uh, we're way out of time. My number two is um The Door to Moria and Fellowship of the Ring. Because um, I remember thinking when I read the book that it was kind of a shark jump moment. Because I was thinking... Because I got the riddle right away when Gandalf <laughs> saying it. And I was thinking... <laughs> Wait, let me get this straight. The key to the... R- the key to... Open the door, you have to know a riddle, but they wrote the riddle on the door, and I guess they hope the orcs didn't know the riddles. You know what I'm saying? And then Gandalf can't remember that riddle out of all the shit he knows. Like, Wait, speak friend and enter. I know this one. Wait, 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 wait. Is, wait, enter? No, wait. Speak? <laughs> But just in terms of, like, a badass-looking door, it, it's a really cool door. So that's my number two. All right. That they uh, should have been called Fellowship of the Door. Mmm. I like that, character. Great, Kelly. <laughs> nice number two. All right.
0: That's a good one. You know what? There's a long history of magic doors, and uh, during the runners-up, we'll get into those, or maybe during some of our top picks, and that's certainly one of the, uh, I guess, most famous magic doors. So absolutely there's- fair pick.
2: There was this video game in the early '90s called Citadel. Do you remember this? It was really stupid. Doesn't that. ring any bells. There. Ah, good one. <laughs> but uh, I. It's like there was a door. Really, it was like near the beginning of the game, and you had to get past it by answering a riddle. And it was uh like the villain's door. Like he was a demon or something. It was like went from whence did I come to this Citadel? was the question, and I go, oh, whence. That means from where. I better look at the manual. And the, uh. So I bought, like, and I couldn't find it anywhere, no matter what I wrote in, even though it said in the manual that the guy had come in spring. But that's when, not whence. So I never tried that.
0: Did you ever get through that door,
2: Kelly Wand? Yeah, I bought the uh, hacker's guide, and it said, oh, yeah, spring. And I'm like, Ugh. Oh, so they thought whence
0: meant when. Yeah, the and game designers didn't, they, right. yeah, so they right. fucked
2: up their own riddle and then charged me for the privilege of reading them, writing it down.
0: That's like people that think, you know, uh, wherefore means where. It does. Like, wherefore, aren't there, Romeo? Uh, Here I is. Uh, you know, that famous, I don't
2: speak golf. That, that famous... You're Wait, thing. keep going, Tom. <laughs> I mean, I've heard this dialect of
0: yours.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Let's <laughs> move on.
0: All right. Let's move on. to So Dingus' number two is No Country for Old Men. Uh, My number two choice, again, I I can't ascribe any great meaning to this. It's just a cool thing with a door. Um, And there are actually two in this movie that I like. And the first one... It, the the one that I thought of is like okay I can't think of anything meaningful so I'm just going to pick this scene from this movie and then I wrote it down but then I later realized oh no wait wait there is a far far better door scene in this movie the movie is Phantasm and the door scene I was thinking of is this great early sequence where the little kid is being chased by this evil terrible guy in a in a mausoleum and he runs into a room and slams the door shut behind him and he thinks he's gotten away and he hears this little like. Flapping sound right by his head, and he looks up and he sees that He's trapped the guy's fingers in the door, and he has a <laughs> knife and he cuts one of the fingers off. And something really freaky happens to the finger, and that's uh, it's just part of Phantasm's uh, just weird genius. Is that garbage disposal exactly? But there's a far better door scene, and I remember seeing this movie at uh, at a, at a screening at a cemetery here in Hollywood that, that occasionally screens movies, and during this sequence. I think the crowd went wild uh, because near the end of the movie, uh, you have two brothers, a little kid named Michael and an older fella named Jody, and they know that terrible stuff is happening at this mausoleum. Uh, they know they're in danger. The older guy, Jody, he's going to go investigate, and Michael's like, I'm coming with you, and you know, he's a 13-year-old kid, and Jody's like, no, you're staying here. I don't want you to get – this is dangerous. I'm going to take care of this, so – Despite Michael really wanting to go, Jody picks him up, literally throws him over his shoulder, carries him upstairs, throws him in his room, closes the door, and jams it shut with a screwdriver. Get it. Ah, I see. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which, by the way, I think that trick works. I don't know for sure, but if you close the door and then jam a screwdriver, a screwdriver. in there, uh, then you can't open it. So... And then Jody goes off, and you know he's going to be in danger. And Michael, uh, the little kid, he's locked in his door, and he's so angry. And he's like, it's almost like the kid throwing a fit who's been told to stay in his room. You know, he's banging on his door, and he's yelling, and he's cursing at his brother. And, and he finally sits down, and this is where the audience uh, watching the movie uh, is, like, cheering along. He finally sits down, and he figures out this MacGyver trick for how to get through the door. Kelly Wan, do you remember this sequence from Phantasm? Uh... It's like it's,
2: where you push the key through.
0: It's exactly like it. Like it's like a video game puzzle. Yeah. Uh, here are the components he has, and he's just sitting at a desk sulking. And the movie just sort of watches him sulk for a little bit. There's a hammer on his desk, and he picks up the hammer. Oh, no, the first thing he picks up is he's got a shotgun shell in his pocket because they'd been messing around with shotguns earlier. In the oh, movie. yeah, yeah, yeah. So he yeah, picks yeah. up the yeah. shotgun shell, and he's just like tapping it on the desk, and he's sulking. And then he takes a tack off of his uh his bulletin board and he and and the, and he's trying to stick the tack in the little firing pin of the shotgun shell, and he finally has to put the tack you know spike up on the desk and push the shotgun on it and then he takes a hammer and some tape and he tapes this shotgun shell with a tack against the firing pin onto the head of the hammer with scotch tape and he goes over to the door and he swings this little assembly. Into the door. I don't know if this would actually work in real life, but the idea then is that it blows a hole into the door. He can reach through and uh, and take the screwdriver out. But I just love how the audience, you know, knowing this is going to happen, it's like cheering him as he's putting the pieces together. Uh, So that's that's my number two favorite door scene is Michael getting out of the door, uh, getting past the jammed door of his bedroom in uh, Phantasm.
2: You should have given your guys those components in that. Gamma World campaign, Capricorn <laughs> One campaign.
0: Uh, no one knows what you're talking about, but Kelly Wand is alluding to uh, when I was a kid in dungeon mastering. I, I once, yeah. <laughs> I mean, a and friend ca- of mine, hey. a friend of mine, told me about once he was dungeon mastering, and the whole idea is that the people have to get out of a room by taking the hinges off the door, just like they did in Capricorn One. By the way, I hope I'm not stealing anyone's number one, and uh, that's how I. That's how my friend planned the little dungeon thing to go, uh, but he screwed up the direction the door opens. And uh, yeah, that's a that's a boring story, Kelly Wand. Why would you bring that up? Capra Dorn one. Mm, I'm not going to accept that one. Sorry, the judges don't like that. But what they do want from you, Kelly Wand, is your number one pick for best a door. door best door scene. Yes, in a movie.
2: You know what else was cool about that fellowship door? Mm-hmm. Is like not only did they put the key on the door, basically, like taped the key to the front of the door. Right. And Gandalf's like, what? Um, they built the door right next to the sea monster. <laughs> <laughs> so not only it's like this is your entrance, it's like the porch has also got a sea monster and a riddle on it. Alright, never mind. My number one is uh, first of all Kelly
0: one that's no sea monster, that's the watcher in the watch water. in
2: the lake. In the lake? It's, oh. What's it well we don't see that it has eyes. And it's looking at stuff from underwater. My number one door, Mr uh, make fun of me for saying Tom Bombadil 10 years ago and now you're all ooh lord of the rings <laughs> is my hair okay? Haha that's yeah, that's how you talk. Um yes. my runner up's probably a better choice but um, and I like Dingus's angle of like doors used as other things than doors
3: mm-hmm. thing.
2: Mm-hmm. But I just went with like th- that door in particular really did its job well as a door. Uh so I I thought that the best door, like the one the greatest generation of doors was the one at the end of nineteen forty one. Where Ned Beatty's uh hammering a Christmas wreath to the door and uh the pressure of his nailing it knocks the rest of his house into the sea. And I it's after at the end of this movie, like the entire city of LA's LA been destroyed by the retardation of its indigenous citizenry. And I thought, oh, everything's destroyed except that door. Like, that door can tell its descendants. I lived
0: through World War II.
2: That's our number one door.
0: Uh, I hear you say that, Kelly Wan, and my reaction is Ned Beatty was in 1941.
2: (laughs) Wasn't that him? (laughs) Who am I thinking of? I like
0: that. Do I
3: like that movie too
0: much? I, I think I, everybody was in 1941. That, that makes sense. Uh, but it's the last thing that breaks is not the door in 1941.
2: It's got to be Ned Beatty. Don't try and Because someone was screwing with me last week when I was trying to say, yeah, Powers Booth's and frailty. It's in that one part. And they're like, oh, no, it's Fred
0: Ward or somebody. And I'm all, what? And they're all, huh? <laughs> uh, I, I would say, Kelly Wand, you would probably know better than me uh, about 1941. What? What, the year? <laughs> and the year, the movie and the year. Uh, all right, so the door in 1941 that uh, endures all of Steven Spielberg's shenanigans.
2: He should do a sequel, and it's like a 9-11 comedy movie. Oh, that, that'd that play great, yeah. And everything breaks at the airport. <laughs> <laughs> all
3: right,
0: I think I'm done with my list. When's all right, before, before we go to runners-up, Dingus, what is your number one, what is the best door scene of all time? Um, give me a line just- by the way dingus hold on what was your line going to be for the scene in no country for old men was it going to be a rendition of that cat drinking the spilled milk in the lobby of the hotel
2: yeah I was just going to lap. <laughs> that's dingus's natural voice
0: uh, <laughs> were you going to do uh, hey, hey mr. sporting goods
1: uh, I was going to do that or I know what beer leads to beer leads to more beer <laughs> uh, epitaph
0: that's so good All right. So, do you have a line from your number one choice
1: I do, but nobody in the world is going to get it, but uh, maybe you. You mean (laughs) Knob-uddy? Get
0: it? Uh, I'll bet, uh, okay, then let's hear it. Let's hear it and we'll see if you're right.
1: Your whole life, instead of solving problems, you either run away or raise your hands and give in. It's got to be Rushmore because we don't know it.
0: (laughs) It's so my it's such an earnest line too. What is that from?
1: It's an earnest line and this is this to is totally isn't fair because I'm not saying it in Farsi or whatever language, oh. language. Oh, racist. Oh. Uh, so
0: that dingus this is a good one. Oh you
1: jerk. Why did Well, I, I don't know if I'm t- using the one you think I'm going to use though. This is uh, this is the movie A Separation, right? Um which was uh, my second favorite movie from last year. Uh, from 2011. And the, there's there's a couple of great door scenes and it, when you reacted to that, what did you think, Tom? Uh, a
0: door figures uh, pivot, a door is kind of pivotal in terms of the events of the movie. So that's what I thought you were talking about is uh, a sequence where somebody wants someone else to go through a door and that person doesn't want to go through a door, and it, it drives a lot of what happens later in the movie. So that's what I thought you were going to talk about.
1: Well, that, that's, that's adorable. Really- uh that's really the main i i kind of wrestled with this one because that's that's the prominent door moment in this movie but the moment that really spoke to me is is a moment later in the movie and so uh a character named nader and his uh, is having an argument with his estranged wife named Simon, and they're they're having this argument in their kitchen. Well, well, although she's moved out, it's his kitchen now, basically. And they're having an argument about their teenage daughter, about who's going to basically take her. Uh, the wife says, "I want Terme, who's the daughter, to come with me." And he, and and they're arguing about other things as well, including the results of the pivotal moment Tom has just mentioned. And they've sent uh, Terme. Uh, the wife has said, "Terme, go to your room, leave the room, so we can have this argument." Basically, and they're they're in the kitchen, and the father has closed the door to the kitchen, so that these two people can have the argument. And the, and the argument has this wonderful ebb and flow, as arguments do in really good movies. And he opens the door, and he's about to walk out of the room, and she insists that he let their daughter come with her in the midst of this awful situation he's going through and he he says how dare you put pressure on me at this point and and then he starts to tell his wife why he thinks she's a coward and and the the line i would have used from this is is the one i just said your whole life instead of solving problems you've either run away or raise your hands and being given in and and when he starts to go into this this moment with her when he says this when he's telling his wife why he thinks she's a coward he suddenly hesitates and he moves back and he closes that door again so that, mm. so that his daughter can't hear what he's about to say to her mother. And he's saving his daughter from hearing this awful accusations, awful fight that he's having. And he's also saving his wife from the shame of their daughter hearing how he's about to break her down and tell her why he thinks she's a coward. Mm. Um, and I just love that little acting moment. It's, it's a very small thing. It's not as, as dramatic uh, or action dramatic as the No Country for Old Men thing. But I just love those little moments where an actor clearly takes a moment to say, what would, an, what would a character do? What would a father do? And he just – it's just a beautiful little moment where he just closes this little door to the kitchen so that his daughter can't hear. So it's that, that moment in a separation.
0: Kelly White, I think he's trumped your Lord of the Rings choice. Oh, when I did, <laughs> uh, Dingus, would you say that the final shot of a separation involves a doorway? Isn't that a doorway? Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. That, that's another thing is I love that doorway. The, the, the final shot of that movie is is so powerful. That's in a the, separate category, though. Uh, right, right. It's because there's no door there, uh, but it is like yeah. a doorway kind of thing. But that it's just one of those incredible final shots that uh, where you're just like, oh.
1: Frack! This movie was good.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's one of those kind of, and I think a doorway is involved. Uh,
1: and, and how great is the uh, is the title of the movie? I mean, yes. throughout and, and especially in that. Yeah. yeah.
0: All right, a separation. Dings is number one choice. Uh, I kind of want to change mine and pick the door moment that you. I like your little touch, but uh, a door is a huge part of what's going on in that movie. So I yep. kind of want to change mine, but I'm going to stick with this because this is the only like highfalutin like concept choice that I have. Uh, do you guys remember the first kiss in Punch Drunk Love? Between who? <laughs> between Adam Sandler and Louise Guzman. <laughs> 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 no, between Adam Sandler and Emily Watson.
2: Yeah. yeah. Isn't, she... yeah. isn't it kind of similar to the one in Magnolia where she just goes... <laughs> uh, the one in... <laughs> <Remember>? <laughs> can, you,
0: can you give us that line again, Kelly? Wan? <laughs> Uh, so in Punch Drunk Love, uh, he goes on a date with Emily Watson, and it, in ways doesn't go well. In ways it does go well. There's a great shot of them driving back from the date, and as they talk, they're just extreme close-ups on each of their faces in the car. And then we cut to them sitting in her apartment, uh, and he finally says, "Well, I, I guess I better go." And he gets up, and they go to the door of her apartment. And he leans in to kiss her on the cheek, and she briefly turns like she thinks it's going to be a real kiss, but it's not. So he kisses her on the cheek, and he says, and (laughs) bye-bye. He walks off down the hallway, she closes the door, and he's muttering at himself about what a stupid line that is. And bye-bye. You fucking motherfucker. (laughs) Like Like, he's just so put out with himself at what a horrible line that was. He's obviously thinking he should have kissed her. And he's going to the. He walks out of the apartment, and as he's going out of the front door of the apartment, the uh, attendant says, "Are you Barry?" And he says, "Yes." And she says, "This call is for you." And she hands him the phone, and it's Emily Watson saying, "I just want you to know that I really wanted to kiss you just now." And then we cut to him running back to her apartment but he is lost all these doors look alike if you've ever been to one of these apartments in Los Angeles you know what this is like there's a sequence of him passing all of these different doors and it's this great metaphor for like love you know he finally finds her door she opens it and they have their first kiss right there in the doorway they hug and then they go their separate ways she's got to leave the next day but it's their first kiss but I just love that moment as this kind of metaphor for love like how confusing and frantic it is and there's all these things that look alike and you don't know how to get where you want to get and then it just kind of happens
2: <laughs> uh, and love- all the women look alike till their doors open <laughs> and you find the one
0: there you go yeah uh, I just so that- love
1: the image of him running down that hall
0: oh it is fantastic and after they kiss too he's out of breath I love that little touch too <laughs> they-, they kiss and-, and hug and then he's sitting there breathing heavily from having run down that hallway uh, yeah I love That's that good bye is a good line. It's not just catch- bye-bye. It's not just bye-bye. It's and bye-bye. He, he puts in the and there as well. Uh, Kelly Wan, what's the line from uh, In the Loop that involves the word bye-bye? Fuckity-bye. Are you sure it's not fuckity-bye-bye?
2: I wrote that. I thought's what I thought it was, and then someone online went, No, you fucking idiot. It's fuckity-bye. Fuckity-bye-bye, stupid. And I went, yeah, you're right.
0: <laughs> that was our good friend. Somehow Mike. the extra pie does it. <laughs> no, that was our good friend, Mike Cathcart, who uh, oh. absolutely set you straight on that as well you should have been. know, uh, yeah. It's the only way I'm going to learn. It's the only language I understand. It's fear. Uh, all right, let's talk runners-up. Mm. I have a question Why? first. Before we do hold yep. on. Uh, I know there's a shot, and I even know I've heard it talked about on a director's commentary, involving a door... Well, here's the deal. I, I thought it was maybe in this Close Encounters, Australian Close Encounters ripoff called Encounter at Raven's Gate. I thought it was maybe in The Visitor, that, that movie that you made me watch, Kelly Wand. Uh, maybe, maybe it was in like an Evil Dead movie, but I know, I can see it in my head. There's a shot of someone in a dark room coming towards a door to open it, and the door just dr- recedes super fast, like way off into the dark distance. And in that, I remember hearing a director's commentary that the way they shot this scene was they just went out to some dark road in the middle of the night, they built a fake wall, they put a door in it, and they mounted the door on the back of a car. (laughs) And as soon as the person goes up to open the door, the car takes off. Yeah. Does either of you know what that's from? Cannonball Run? (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to take that as a no. I've been looking for that all week. It's not from the visitor. It's not from Encounter at Ravensgate. I don't think it's Evil Dead Three. Uh, Has it really I,
2: only been in one movie? Because that seems like an effect I feel like I've seen before.
0: Well, I don't. I, I know I've seen it, and I know that I heard a director's commentary where they talked about putting the door on a car and just being out in the middle of a, a dark road. Uh, so I, I don't know where I saw it, but that's been driving me crazy. And Kelly, wonder, no help. It wasn't in the innkeepers.
2: I helped you there. And you <laughs> crossed one movie off your list. Yeah. It's not in. Well, that it reminds
1: would, me of that know. thing of the guy looking in the mirror who shoots himself. That's
0: the infinite Adrian Pauls. Oh. From Nine Miles Down or something like that, yes. Uh, but you know what? I really miss that kind of, like, you know, that kind of craft, that sort of funhouse yeah. aspect to horror movies that you got back in the 80s, like with Dario Argento, certainly with Raimi. Uh, and, you know, nowadays it's just all CG crap. Uh, I, you Side know what West. I
1: That's it's a good point. Yeah, uh, It makes me so, think of an effect in Beetlejuice, but I don't know if that's in Beetlejuice.
0: It, it, you know what? I think it's way more of a gonzo movie than a Tim Burton thing. Uh, so I, I don't know what it is. If you're listening, uh, let us know. What's if, Tom talking I, about? If yeah,
2: what, what you the money i talking money. about? Yeah. that'll inspire.
0: Uh, if you if you have the answer to this, I will have uh, uh, Kelly Wan sign a copy of the video game Citadel for you or Jumper, <laughs> whichever
2: one's you want on your mantle more, just in time for Valentine's Day. All right, other runners up. Oh, uh, my favorite, I was gonna put this on my list, but then I thought, well, it's not really so much about what kind of door it was, so I took it off. Mm -hmm. Um, but at the end of The Godfather, that kind of, that door, when Coppola said last year, uh, he kind of wished that he hadn't made, he should have just stopped at one Godfather movie, Mm -hmm. and everyone went, what? No way, dude, Godfather (laughs) 2. I thought about it and I was like, you know what? He's kind of right. Like, there's nothing good after that door shuts. It's like the last perfect Godfather <laughs> moment. Because in the second one, they're like, oh, here's the dinner. No, Marlon Brando's not in the scene. Wait, wait it's, you know, it's like, And you learn nothing more about the characters in the second Godfather movie. So you so just feel,
0: like, as, as a runner-up, that should have been a more decisively shut door.
2: <laughs> no, it's a great, yeah. What? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pro that door. It, it was decisive enough. Um, right. It just sums up. Fuck you, Kay. That's what the door is saying. All
0: right. And that, that's You're, K that for Diane Keaton's character, right? I don't know C. who that is. No? Oh, okay. Dig runners up? I don't know the character's name.
1: <laughs> Your whole MacGyver thing reminded me of uh, Don't Be Afraid of the Dark key trick.
0: What? Oh, wait. Were the, the little monsters... Did they do the thing where this... That's right, the sheet of paper... And the key pushed yeah.
1: through. Oh,
0: they
2: God. know Raymond Chandler. They
0: read Raymond Chandler in the chimney. Is that from Chandler? Uh, like we you slide paper under the door, you push the key through? It's a, to me, that's just like one of those, those uh, video game puzzle chestnuts. Uh, right. I think it's from The Thin Man. I think you're making that up. So from- here are door Little tricks. I, I uh, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy... Uh, and, I think way back to The Sting, I remember these door tricks where somebody puts something in a door so that when they come home, they can see if the door's been opened because it will have fallen down. In Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy, early on we see that Gary Oldman's character... Uh, puts a little wedge in his door, and when he opens the door, he puts it by the door with his keys, which is great. It's like it's keys, wallet, door wedge. It's just like part of his ritual, uh, so that when somebody later breaks into his house, he fully knows the guy is there. And the same thing with the sting. I think Robert Redford like mm-hmm. puts a piece yeah. of paper in his door. Uh, I remember that. I remember seeing that as a kid and thinking, "Oh, I'm going to do that," and you know, making sure my I did do that. in my room.
2: Yeah. yeah after you- I saw the sting, I went, yep. "Oh," and then I use. I now stick paper in the door uh, to remind me to close the door. (laughs) I don't think that's what that is supposed to do.
0: You're doing it wrong, (laughs) Kelly.
2: But other than that, I'm a regular Robert Redford.
1: (laughs) Uh, Other runners up? Um, I really like, uh, even though it's in the title, I I really like the movie The Door and the Floor. And (laughs) <laughs> so there's that door. I don't know what the door means, but, you know, it's very, i remember I'm about to thinking, go to hell.
2: They got a lot of good mileage out of the, you know, those two panel doors where like the top and the bottom open separately.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Wasn't there a lot of good mileage of that in Funny Farm with Chevy Chase? Or am I thinking of a Marx Brothers movie? I always get those two mixed up. <laughs> Chevy Chase and
0: Groucho. I'm afraid those aren't in my wheelhouse, Kelly Wand. Oh, wheel. Right. I get it. because like a door in a house. <laughs> uh, certainly, um, the uh, the there's a couple Chapter of great 20. door shots in The Shining. I, I think Jack Nicholson yeah. cutting through the door, that's pretty iconic. And even when he's in the refrigerator, that shot of him leaning his head and his hand against the door with the camera up underneath him. You see that imitated yeah. in so many movies. Like any a character wants to get through a door... Any like filmmaker is going to be like, oh, I'm going to do it like Kubrick. I'm going to put the camera down here and have the guy leaning against the door. Uh, so The Shining well, has some special door moments
2: on room two three six too.
0: That door, or whatever. That's the thing is, uh, yeah, like isn't is that the number of the room in The Shining two three six? I think so. Okay,
2: I remember reading that it came on page two three six when he was writing it, and oh. it was the only time he ever gave him. He kind of scared himself when he was writing; like he had goosebumps when he wrote
0: about the door opening. Oh, yeah, dude. Kubrick or this. King? King. Okay. Uh, Backdraft. Backdraft. Check that door for heat. Isn't that kind of famous? <laughs> I don't see Ron Howard fireman movies. <laughs>
2: Without dogs.
1: There's this really goofy um, door in uh, Zero Effect that it goes to the uh, apartment of Daryl Zero um, that is a Z. And it's supposed to be this really cool, uh, metal door, but it, but when Ben, um, stiller first goes into it, it gets caught and he has to kick the door to open it.
2: <laughs> hey, remember in Tron Legacy when he opens that really big door and then he goes, that's a big door. And then
0: the audience is supposed to laugh, because he said it was... You know what? Fortunately, Kelly Wand, I do not. And I think that's a measure of how well that worked. (laughs) That line was in the script. Everyone went, oh, it's a
2: big door. That's a good one. That's a key. We've got to keep that. Okay, Garrett Dillahunt, say, it's a big door when this thing opens. And action. That's a big door. Okay, came out perfect. It's edited. Okay, opening night. That's a big door. Well, they didn't laugh, but
0: it was still a pretty big door, so... First of all, that's a terrible thing to do to Garrett Dillahunt, who's actually a good actor. How good dare answer.
2: you? <laughs> I don't remember guy's the
0: guy's name, Garrett Headland. Well, I don't want to give him work, so I oh, want to give. Point... <laughs> yeah. What's that guy. Uh, and, uh, you, I don't think either of you has seen the original Japanese uh, Pulse, but there's really cool stuff there. Uh, you oh, know, what we course. talked. A l- there, there's like doors that are uh, taped up with red tape. Right, right. Uh. That's
2: about the tape, though, isn't it? It doesn't matter what the door is. Well,
0: you can use the tape on windows. as well. There are also windows that are taped up. So that's a that's a fair point, Kelly Wand. I think you, you've got me there. So in that case, I'll mention this instead. The door in Paranormal Activity. Yes. Because remember, there was a time where just yeah. a door moving a little bit
1: actually was effective. It yeah. was scary as fuck, too. Yep. I can't believe you guys didn't bring up the movie Ghost.
0: What's the door in that?
1: There's a penny. Oh never mind.
2: Ha ha, you saw Ghost. <laughs> I don't see Zucker movies that aren't don't have airplanes in them.
0: Uh there are plenty of uh this is kinda like Kelly Wan's Lord of the Rings thing. There are plenty of uh like people exploring mysterious magical doors and houses, usually children like Pan's Labyrinth or Time Bandits yeah. or the Narnia stories, exactly. Uh my favorite example because of those movies, it would be one of my favorites. Uh The Little Door and Coraline. To the other world. Oh yeah. Uh, oh right,
2: right. And it's kind got of, yeah.
0: yeah.
2: Was it ever a Bugs Bunny cartoon
0: or a movie where
2: it's like a you open a door and there's like another door and there's like another door under after that? <laughs> and it's like somebody angrily opening the door, like ah five more fucking doors and then like the last door has dynamite on it.
0: That does sound very Tex Avery. Yeah.
2: But you see it on the other side. It's Bugs Bunny or someone he's got. He's still stacking doors up. For like ah oh, yeah twelve more <laughs> and then I'll do the dynamite.
0: Uh, Dingus, let me give you a line uh, and see if you can know what what movie is this door scene from. Uh, I'm sorry, we're closed. What about that guy?
2: (laughs) Zack and Mary. Yeah.
0: Career opportunities. Uh, Is that Rushmore, Tom? No, how dare you! That's the what? better. That's the
1: better early Anderson. Don't, don't you even say that?
0: I <laughs> see what I did. So there's a great moment in Bottle Rocket during their first heist where they're going to rob a bookstore, and you know they put tape on their noses. And <laughs> it's just some guy oh, yeah. closing up the bookstore, and uh, Luke and Owen Wilson come up, and Owen Wilson like hides off to one side, and Luke Wilson comes up and sort of raps on the glass, and the guy behind the 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 door, the glass door, is like, "I'm sorry, we're closed." And Luke Wilson's like, I, you know, I left my sweater in there. The guy opens the door and he's like, Well, okay, come on in and uh, wait right here. And he lets Luke Wilson, in, and then he's closing the door again. And Owen Wilson comes running up, and the guy is like, I'm sorry, we're closed. And Owen Wilson's response is to point at Luke Wilson and go, Well, what about that guy? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love that little door moment. So. Remember an
2: adjustment bureau when he opens. Uh.
0: Oh, <laughs> oh my god! Wow, that's way to close the door on this topic. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> Did you guys ever see what... the movie "Shock to the System"? Yeah, like Michael Caine. Yeah. Dippity poppity boo. <laughs> uh, there's a great there's a great moment where there's a there's a he sets a trap to kill somebody using a boat door, so that the boat will explode when the door is opened. And that was another. That was another Wait, another boat explodes when the door is opened. Yeah, he he sets like he's got like um, gas running, and then he sets like these. He 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 rigs it so that these two matches will uh, will rake across and uh, light when the person opens the door to the cabin of the boat, and it's like sailboat.
0: Well, you know what that makes me think of, and Kelly, Wan, I'm very disappointed that you did not bring use this opportunity to bring up MacGruber. Now you're wet. <laughs> What's the matter with you? That's Kelly? not about the door. That's about the no. That's all about the door. That's all about rigging a door. If Dingus it could have been any door, the... no, but it's about that door. It's a it's a great moment for Magruber and Kelly. Wanda, I'm very very disappointed in I you. I can't just Magruber every week. You could have MacGruber this week. Is all I'm saying.
3: Mm.
0: What Magruber's the new Star Wars? I know it is
2: to me. But we should be so lucky. He's going to do three prequels to Magruber, but they're going to be in 3D and they won't be good. Ewan McGregor's going to play the young
0: McGregor. Well, speaking of three, Kelly Wan, what is our three by three for next week?
2: Oh, this one's kind of broad, but I sort of like the um, kind of open-ended ones. We like broad. That's sexist. But anyway, um, (laughs) it's uh, three best running gags or callbacks. Because I figure a callback's just a running gag that's only used once. But then you're running if it's a callback times three. Hmm. Do you have any questions about this topic? Is there anything should shake off the table? Do you have an example? Oh, I
1: mean, you're not... First, I thought you were talking about people who are actually running around. But... All yeah,
0: right, here's an, just an example. Yeah, take something off the table, Cal. Oh, wait Dingus, uh, wait, Dingus
1: thought I meant
2: people running comically. <laughs> yes, I did. That's what Dingus, I thought... I'm kind of bummed now that he, he asked for clarification, because I would have loved to have heard that list next week. Like, <laughs> all right, well, this seemed like a little weird, but the running man, <laughs> what part... Um <laughs> where everyone goes this is a stupid example, but it's the only one I can think of. Uh in Escape from New York when images I heard you were dead.
0: Oh, so because a- when you said that, Kelly Wand, I was thinking that it would have to be comedies. But I like that. Okay, good. Yeah.
2: It can be like yeah, it can be a catchphrase or it can just be something that's like a character's thing that he does that gets run into the ground and
0: it's What, what do they say to him? I, I want to make sure you get this right. What did they say to Snake Fliskan? I Heard You Were Dead. Yeah, yeah, okay.
2: They don't say it to him in the second movie as much. They hadn't heard he was dead after that. First. Kelly
0: one. what's the famous line about a bigger boat
2: in Jaws? Mary Marcy Magdalene in Afghanistan.
0: <laughs> can you really not? So, Dingus, what, can, take a shot at this. I, I have a theory here. Dingus, what's the famous line about a bigger boat in Jaws? You're going to need a bigger boat. What the? <sighs> Dingus. We're going to need a bigger boat. Thank you, Kelly Wand. Dingus, no one's talking to you. Kelly Wand, most people don't realize this. They never say that. He says twice, you're going to need a bigger boat. Point and I would Dingus. I would have made my point perfectly if Dingus hadn't come along and, and foiled me. <laughs> what? What's your point? It the point is he never, points, I, right? I had always thought of the line as, we're going to need a bigger boat. Brody yeah. never says that. Twice he says to Quint, you're going to need a bigger boat. Because uh, I watched it recently. He never says, we're going to need a bigger boat. I kind of thought it was like a play it again, Sam thing. Uh, you're going to need a boat. Bigger... He says that. He says boat. you're going to need a bigger... He never says we're going to need a bigger boat. And and my theory is that most people... And again, Dingus, no one is talking to you. My theory is that most people think it's we're going to need a bigger boat.
2: You're going to need a bigger...
0: Well, he kind of mumbles it because he's got a cigarette in his mouth. It's a little hard to hear. He says it twice gonna... I think both times is pretty clearly... Because I checked this. I was surprised. Because I, like you, and most people thought it was going to be we're going to need a bigger boat. But I don't think he ever says that.
2: A, I don't think you like me. And B... <laughs> um if you're going to need a bigger boat's funnier, because it implies he's not coming back. He's right. <laughs> you get a bigger boat, and let me know how it comes out, because I'm going to be on shore with my bigger radio hearing all exactly. about it.
0: That's exactly discuss. right. Exactly right. Good Incredible. luck, fuckface. <laughs> uh, well, next week, let's – so the 3x3, our favorite running gags, and next week we'll be seeing a movie – I don't know if it's French. It's from a French director. Uh, uh No. Uh, from a fellow named Z- – uh, Xavier Gens I'm not sure he did uh Frontiers and The Hitman a video game what? movie I know it's But he's doing makeup, it's got Laura Olgan and Timothy Oliphant in The Hitman. Uh, but I don't know who's in this next movie, but we're seeing something called The Divide. It has a limited release, so if you get the chance, see it next week and uh join us next Sunday when we talk about it and when we bring up our three-by-three three of our favorite running gags. Uh, so there you go thank you for joining us please uh, I've asked you this before and some of you I thank you so much for doing this please rate us on iTunes we will be your best friend and Kelly Wand will come over to your house and do the synopsis for you in person if you rate us on iTunes isn't that right Kelly Wand yeah but only if you give us one star (laughs) Uh, I am Tom Chick I have been joined by Christian uh, Christian McLean.
1: it's Christian Morosky
0: and Kelly Wand A
2: biopic idea, Siskel and Ebert, Stanley Tucci, and Jonah Hill. I was
3: thinking, yeah. Hopefully,
2: this podcast cracks you up.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
2: We'll get a panel of experts to decide. guess if I was a superhero, I'd like to have bat wings. <laughs> Would you be so kind, dingus?
1: This is beyond weird. It's mental.
2: I do get it.